Yeah, g'day Titans fans and welcome back to the Gold Coast Titans Frontline Podcast. My name is Dane from Clarkie's Rugby League column and I'm joined every week by my co-host Blaze from BKR Sport to bring you a Titans podcast that is at its core trying to positively influence our club, our sports community and uplift our team and the beautiful blue and gold colours. A mixed week for the club. On one hand, we made our first ever grand final. On the other, we unfortunately lost that one to the Knights, but... Let's go to my co-host, Blaze. Now, mate, first of all, how are you going? And broadly, how was grand final day? Because I know you were there. Yeah, I was there, man. Yeah, it was obviously not the result that we wanted to get, but super proud of the girls. You know, they're all lovely women who who tried their absolute best this season. We No one thought that we would have any chance of making the grand final. Like, I, I predicted us to, to win the grand final, but a lot of people will say that's bias. I genuinely knew we had a good team here, and we do have a good team here. And this team is building. I'm really excited for the future. Obviously, I was there. It was a crazy game. We'll talk about the men's game in just a few seconds as well. But, you know, it was, it was a crazy day. The atmosphere was was wild. I was really impressed with the fact that we had a lot of Titans fans in attendance as well. Like obviously a miniature, but for the for the fact that we're a big distance away from Sydney, it was incredibly expensive. Not only was there the grand final day, but there was like a festival on at the time. It was school holidays. There was so so many things happening in Sydney. So prices to get down there were actually through the roof. I know that someone, I think it was, uh, I don't know if I should say it, but someone from our club actually had to go to Ballina and then fly from Ballina down there because it was just so expensive from the Gold Coast. And yeah, so I was really impressed to see as many Titans fans as I did there. We had one section on the uh, on the Panther side of the field and another section where the families were on the Broncos side of the field. And, you know, I had messages from people all over saying how loud we were and they could hear me and, you know, that they really appreciated the atmosphere that we were trying to bring. And and that's great because, of course, not a stadium that's built for uh, atmosphere and sound. It's a stadium built for size. It's, it's got 80, 82,000 capacity. So it's very difficult to actually hear like a certain section of fans. Uh, but, you know, obviously we did a great job there. Really impressed with that. And, and look, we, we did lose by six points in our first ever grand final. Uh, we were actually leading with about, what, 10 minutes to go. So uh, it's just a bit of to make it up to magic. You know, I'm really impressed with, with how the, the Titans went about things for the most part. Obviously, disagree with a few things here and there that we'll get into in a little bit. I don't believe Shaylee Bent lost that ball. She doesn't believe she lost that ball. She, I believe everyone on the planet besides Casey Badger believes that she was uh, was stripped there. But, you know, with that being said, uh, I, I'm really impressed with how this season has gone down for the Gold Coast Titans women's team. And yeah, it was a great time to be alive on, on Sunday at the game because it wasn't just uh, wasn't just us that lost. It was our uh, our enemies from up the road as well. And I thought they were I thought they were home for what it's worth. That was a very, very great grand final. We'll obviously break down the Titans one in depth in the future. Uh, did you get there for the state championship, the first game as well? I did. I wasn't really thinking about it too much, though. You know, I was... Because, uh, obviously, I've still got my irks with the Brisbane Tigers after how the Burley Bears were treated. Um, obviously, for people who aren't aware, Burley Bears... Well, were our feeder club this year, but then now the Broncos from next year. Uh, but the Burley Bears played the grand final against the uh, Brisbane Tigers, and it was very dirty. There was a lot of uh, officiating questions that people ask about it, and obviously Burley did lose that one. Uh, so I really had my irks with the Brisbane Tigers, and obviously the Rabbitohs. I'm not really, I don't really care too much about them. But with that being said, the Rabbitohs ran out pretty easily winners there. Uh, that wasn't really a surprise. I did think that they would when they had guys like Dean Hawkins, Blake Tuff. You know, they had Tyrone Munro, who I think went for a Hattie in that game as well. Uh, I think every there was every game over the weekend on the grand final had a hat trick from from a play. You had Tyrone Munro from the Rabbitohs. You had uh, Jamie Chapo for the Titans, and then you had. Uh, Ezra Mann for the Broncos. So, you know, impressive weekend on an individual standing point from those. And actually, only one of those three teams won. So Tyron Munro got the hat trick. The Rabbitohs won. 
Chapo got the hat trick, Titans lost, and Mam got the hat trick, Broncos lost. So it's pretty crazy. It's the first time on grand final day that three players from all different grades have scored a hat trick. And also the first time ever in NRL and NRLW combined history where uh, two people scored a hat trick and both ended up on the losing side. That's never happened either. So it was very, very strange. Yeah, break down the state championship really quickly. Rabbitohs had the stronger lineup. Uh, you kind of knew they were going to win. They did exactly what they needed to do in one by 20. Did what happened reach to Corey out- Thompson for the Tigers? I did reach out to him on grand final day, actually, because I, th- I was wondering where he was. He had a wedding that he had planned all year uh, for that weekend. So he, he obviously, you're going to pick your wedding. Mm. Um, oh, it was his over. wedding? His wedding, yes. Oh, he, true. Okay, wedding. yeah, yeah. Yeah, he said, I'm getting married. And I mean, I'm not even sure if his contract with the Tigers would have covered the state championship. Um, like, you know, obviously he would sign for the Q Cup season, but this is completely separate to that. This is an NRL initiative, so I'm not sure how it all works, but you're going to go to your wedding over hmm, respect. The state championship doesn't mean too much. It's more of an exhibition game, if I'm absolutely honest. Hmm. Uh, a quick word on the NRL grand final. How would you see that one? Oh, beautiful. Oh, it was a beautiful game. <laughs> oh, what a game. What a, what a time to be alive, especially with the fact that I was sitting in the Penrith section. It was... Just absolutely unbelievable. And I had the, the lucky opportunity to be able to go out into the field and uh, when the players are running out and for the pregame entertainment and whatnot. So if you guys haven't seen the vlog yet, check that out because it gets pretty crazy. And the Penrith section gets very crazy for people who are living under a rock right now and didn't know what happened. At the 60th minute mark, pretty much everyone was was saying the Broncos have won the premiership. You know, they're up 24 to 8. You're not thinking that anything's going to be changing drastically there. The Broncos are a good enough side to hold that out. And they just were the much better team at that point. But then, I don't want to ever hear a Broncos fan ever call the Titans a choking team ever again. I don't want to ever hear them slandering us for choking. Never, ever, never, never, ever, never, ever. Because they lost that game 26-24 and conceded three tries in the last 15 minutes. And it was, it was, it was brilliant. It really was. So, uh, great time out, great day out. Unfortunately, it would have been just such a superb day if the Titans had have won uh, and then that translate into that game. But... With that being said, man, you know who I am really excited for from that game? Kenan Palacia. Palacia had a great game. 150 meters or something he made, didn't he? I think you put a stat up on your page saying that he's run for like 150 meters in all four finals or or, all three finals. Well, I'll tell you what Kenan Palacia has done in this final series. He's locked himself in for that bench spot next year. He simply has to be there now. Um, However, prior to that, it was kind of, he was a depth option. That fullback, uh, sorry, fullback, that last bench spot rather could have gone to anyone really. I think it's got to be Keenan now with how he finished that season in big games. A quick word from myself on the NRL grand final, keeping in mind, I did break this one down for over an hour on a separate podcast that I do. (laughs) I thought it was a game of three quarters. Uh, sorry, three thirds. Jesus, I'm off to a flying start today. Uh, first third was at 20 minutes, and that's where the Panthers won the game because they forced errors from the Broncos and forced them to defend. Next period was just before halftime and after where the Broncos were able to show their class and and show their composure, really, to get back into that game. Uh, they did show in that period they are a world-class football side. Uh, but then that last 20 minutes, or really last 10 minutes, 17 minutes, I suppose you could say, to be specific, was when... They were tied. All the defense they were forced to do due to the errors really come back to bite them. And a player like Nathan Cleary was able to take that game over. So it was a great, great grand final. Hey, how did Reese's Pieces go? How did Reese's Pieces go? Because uh... Mate, I thought, I actually thought Reese was getting a, a fair too, a fair bit too much hate online for his performance. Like it wasn't his best game, but he still had two line breaks, one try assist. 
The three errors did hurt him, though. They I think the issue crucial moments. I think the issue with him, right, is the fact that he is electric for twenty minutes in a game, and like he'll pop up at times, but for the most part, he's electric for twenty minutes in a game. Will go crazy, but for the other, like the first half, he 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 kind of deserved a lot of the criticism for the first half. That next twenty minutes, though, he was brilliant making those line breaks, and even nearly actually had a he did have a line break and nearly won the Broncos the game in like the seventy fifth minute. Or, or whatnot just before the Panthers scored their final try. Uh, he made another line break. So in the second half, he was good. But for the m- most part, like the first half and then the last 20, besides that one play, uh, he, he really, for the, for the amount that he talks it up, the amount he talks it up, he's an incredible player. But man, you know, he's uh, he needs to, like people insult Jerome Luai, man. But Jerome Luai does back it up with three premierships. Yeah, I think for Reese, he did dominate the Origin series this year, so he has mm. that in his back pocket. Um, my final takeaway, yeah, well, you're a Queenslander myself, so we, we, we <laughs> both love him in that jersey. Um, but yeah, I, I think to wrap up that grand final, Panthers three-peat, they are the best side of all time that I've ever seen, um, mm. and I think they would beat any side in history if you apply a salary cap, particularly that Dragon side that won like 10 in a row. And for the Broncos, I think, they, 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 I think they'll be back in a grand final. I think uh, just to clarify, to clarify that as well, like people will say the Dragons with their 11 in a row, whilst that's all fine and dandy, they also were playing against guys who weren't necessarily, like for the time they were professional 40 players, but comparatively to today's day and age, like it's it's polar opposite. You still had guys smoking cigarettes on the sideline and, and even having beers at bloody half time back in those days. Like, you know, that's that's how it was back in the 50s and 60s or whatever it was. This Panthers side now, yeah, I, I would agree with you. I think that you could put them up against any team and they will beat anyone from any era. And that is absolutely, I, I think that there are teams in the 2010s and into the 2000s. But then again, every decade and every generation will get better than the previous. But with that being said, I think, yeah, like to, to say on the Dragons one, congratulations on the 11 in a row. It was absolutely phenomenal for the time. But you compare that to today's day and, to today's day and era, and I think that the teams probably go and beat them quite significantly. Yeah, I'd absolutely agree with that. Uh, I was trying to get up our uh, predictions for the NRLW, and I'll continue to try to find them on my computer while we go through this podcast because... I'm keen to see uh, what we said at the start of that season. We'll go into our Titans news section for now. Um, only really news around is re- relating to the RLPA Players Player Dally M Awards. From our men's side of the house, Dave Fafita won the Dally M back row of the year, but he missed out on the RLPA Dream Team, which is voted on by players. Every player gets a vote. Um, to Homoli Olokowatu and Liam Martin. Personally, I disagree with Liam Martin getting it over Dave just because Martin did only start 12 games this year at back row, but I'm also not a player, so I don't get a vote in that at all. So respect the player selections there. I think they're both great back rowers. I've got Dave ahead. Uh, I know you agree with the Dave selection, so maybe a word on that, but also was there any other Titans players you thought were unlucky uh, in position of the year awards? Uh, Well, obviously, you know, Tino and and Mo both got suspended, so it was uh, impossible for them to get it. I do believe that both of those guys had a really genuine opportunity. Uh, But actually, no, actually, no, I don't, because Payne Haas and um, Adam Fennell Blake were incredible. So, no, I don't think they would have got that spot regardless. Uh, but they would have been super close for sure. Uh, But in regards to Dave, yeah, look, he was always going back on the year. 
when I was streaming uh, on on the the channel and we were watching it live, I said there is no way if Dave gets robbed here, I'll, I'd flip it because he was the best back rower in 2023. I don't care, you know, the Liam Martin Olakawatu. You know, there's also uh, the who's the other the the, the other big one. Um, I can't think of his name right now. Britton Akora from the Sharkies. Uh, there was all these guys' names being thrown around, and I am okay with Liam Martin on the basis of how he actually played in like in his games, but as you said, I don't really understand how we got to the actual Dalliem over some other guys there, like a Britain Akora. I thought it was going to be Dave Fafita and Britain Akora. Um, and yeah, I, I completely disagree with both Olaquatu and Martin over Dave Fafita in the RLPA Dream Team. Again, like you said, you're not a player, I'm not a player, uh, but I also think that you're probably going to vote for your mates uh, when it comes to that, and then you know, then you'll think about it afterwards. And you're probably going to vote for guys that you like more than the other when it comes to, you know, work-related voting. The Dalliams have voted differently. The the uh, Dream Team, RPA is voted on by your colleagues. So, you know, whilst a lot of people may do it legit, I would not be surprised if Olaquatu and Martin just have a larger following of mates, to be completely honest with you, because I can't see a world that Dave Fafita does not make the back row in the Dream Team. Particularly because... Like, Dave genuinely carved up teams by himself this year. Like, some incredible solo tries or try assists, which Olakawatu did. And Liam Martin's more of a hard-nosed back rower. But, yeah, I'm surprised that his peers did shun him there for Dave. He had just such a great season that I uh, was really surprised. On to our NRLW team. Shanamato was the Dali M prop of the year and the Dream Team prop of the year. With Sarah Tongatugi, who, like, Full credit to you. That's an amazing pick because I remember when we were recording, you said Sarah and I said, well, she got suspended. So you take six points off. So I said, you probably have to give it to Millie Boyle. Um, but yeah, an insane pick by you to get Sarah Tongatuki still getting that losing six points. I don't think there's any real argument in Shannon Mato being prop of the year in either of those. She was the best prop this year in the NRL outright. Uh, Karen Murphy picked up the Dally M NRLW coach of the year. Very, very deserved. Uh, one thing that I really did disagree with, though, was Georgia Hale not being named captain of the year. I think Samama Taufer is a great captain, and I think she did really well to get an expansion side, one win, potentially, outside of the, of the finals. But you've got to respect the captain that takes her side to the grand final from the wooden spoon. It's really that simple. So I disagree heavily with that one. Any other ones you really agree or disagree with? The one that I absolutely significantly disagree with was Georgia Hale came out of the night empty-handed, and that is absolutely woeful. Uh, like, look, Samima Talfer is a fantastic player. However, please, like Georgia Hale broke her record multiple times this year. Literally broke the tackle record that Samima Talfer set multiple times this year. Multiple. I, I think she nearly even averaged around the, the same amount that the, the record was, was was at. Obviously, led our team throughout the season. Uh, we were in a team that obviously was much better than the Raiders this season. Uh, I just really disagreed that, that Samima Talfa was a better player this year than Georgia Hale. Uh, and I think that to her not to get captain of the year, which is actually on separate voting to the, like, Dally M's and whatnot, because Samami Alpha, she polled high, but I think that's because nobody around her was taking points off her. Captain is very different, but with that being said, yeah, I think that Hale absolutely deserved both, to be completely honest with you, and I think that she should have been in with more of a shout, but it was just the other players taking points off her. Uh, in regards to, yeah, Tongatuki, yeah, she was unreal. I, I didn't, like, after you said that she got suspended, she lost that like six points, I was not expecting her to win. Uh, but with that being said, I did know that she, besides that six points was one of the best front rowers in the game uh, this year. 
she was she yeah she was incredible but you know Shannon Mato was the best I, absolutely really impressed with how Shannon Mato has gone about business this year and I think that Jessica Ellison would have been in with a shout if they weren't both taking points off each other because we had the best front row pairing in the comp and Karen Murphy that's an obvious one man that was so simple Karen Murphy first female coach to lead their team to a grand final took us from last place to uh, into the grand final uh, and really turned this team around and we've signed all these players on long-term contracts so yeah really uh, really excited for the future under Karen Murphy and she absolutely deserved it and the only other one I would offer is Jamie Chapman I probably thought she had a better season than Isabel Kelly from the Roosters I agree uh, but the Roosters did also score a bunch of points. Kelly is a, a leader in their group, so I get it. Uh, but I agree with you. The one I disagree with most with is how is Georgia Hale not lock of the year? Mm. And if she's not lock of the year, how on God's green earth is she not captain of the year? Uh, I don't, I don't, I can't agree with that at all. Uh, whilst I fully respect the process, I'm not trying to be controversial for the sake of it. I just really, really, really disagree with that. I think that's really, really unlucky for Georgia, uh, who deserved both awards. I did find my preseason predictions for the NRLW. I don't have yours on this, but I had us finishing in second. I thought we'd be in the top four with the Broncos, Roosters, and Eels. Um, Obviously, really bad of me to miss the the actual premiers in that top four. (laughs) Um, But I, I expected a bit more out of the Eels this year, if I'm honest. And I didn't expect the Knights to be as dominant without Millie Boyle. Uh, my MVP was Avania Politi. I remember yours was Georgia Hale. Mm-hmm. Happy to say you got that one right. Do you still have Georgia Hale as your MVP this year? Yeah, Georgia Hale was my MVP this year. Um, I remember I predicted us to come first. Uh, I think the Roosters second, Knights third, and fourth was the Broncos, if I'm not mistaken. Or it could have been third, Broncos, fourth, Knights. But I knew that. No, no, the Knights were third. Or... Yes, nice with third. Point, but anyway, point matter is that I, yeah, that that top four I got correct, but just in a different order. Um, and yeah, I had Georgia Hale as my my MVP for sure, which I'm I'm very happy with. I'm not disappointed with that one at all. Um, so yeah, look, it was yeah, that's that's not too bad. I'd say it's pretty good. It's just obviously I had us to play the Roosters though in the grand final. Yeah, no, you definitely nailed some good NRLW predictions this year. As for mine with Avania Politi, I probably put her at third this year for us, top three player. Probably put Georgia and uh, Shannon above her. And then Politi would come in at third. So not the worst prediction there. And my best signing, I said Niall Williams-Guthrie. I believe you said Jamie Chapman. And I think you've got to go the way of Chapman there. I think you nailed that one as well. Um, and I, I think yeah. that Shaley Bent deserves a shout too. She's been really good for yeah. the Titans this season as well in the back row. But yeah, I think I did say Chapeau. Like if I didn't and we're remembering wrong, obviously let us know. But the point matter is, is that we... Well, yeah, we knew Jamie Chapman was going to be a big one, especially coming from the New- the Dragons and New South Wales, has been in the grand final before. Um, she's an incredible player, man, and she wears her heart on her sleeve. She's really active in the community, uh, and she has uh, had an absolutely immense season, an immense season. So very happy with her, but I do think Shaley Bent also deserves a, a bit of a shout as well. Later on the podcast, we'll go through, we'll name our best rookie, best player, most improved. We'll give out a bunch of awards for our NRLW side, just like we did for the NRL. Let's jump into the game-specific review. It was a loss to the Newcastle Knights, 24-18. to For me, it was a game that was so close. I felt like it was there for the taking, but ultimately, we fall just short to a Knights side that goes back-to-back. Now, there's an element of pride, no doubt, like I said, but you still have to acknowledge the collective heartbreak that we all felt as Titans fans. We all wanted that moment. We all wanted to feel the, the Mount Everest moment for our club so badly, but it wasn't to be... Um, firstly, you were there with the front line. So how was the atmosphere during the game? 
And if it's not too painful to recount, how was it being with other Titans fans and kind of consoling each other right after full time went? Yeah, look, it was it was great to be around fellow Titans fans for sure. That's why, you know, um, I know you usually like to sit in the corporate sections, man, and have a better seating, <laughs> but I, I prefer to sit amongst the, the, the crazy fans, you know, the ones that, you know, really put their, their... And I'm not saying you're not this, it's just that I obviously know that where the better seats are, you know, where you like to sit is actually where the better seats are, but it's just, it's not necessarily with the people that are just diehards of this team, and that's who we're sitting with, you know, people driving down from everywhere to get there, and you know, there was excitement, there was confidence, you know, we, we went to that game believing we had a good opportunity, and throughout the entirety of the game, we did have a good opportunity. We were leading until, what was it, the last um, the last 10 minutes, yeah, at the 60th minute is when Upton decided to become the GOAT of the NRLW. She was just simply incredible. So, you know, we, we went into that game feeling like we had a good chance. We started off very, very strongly uh, with, obviously, and I called Chapo as my first try scorer as well uh, on one of the collaboration posts that I did on Instagram. So uh, very happy with that one. But yeah, look, we, we just could, didn't didn't know how to win in the big moment in the end. And to make Upton, somebody who's done it before for the Broncos, for the Knights now twice, uh, she knows how to win. She is a winner. And this is, and I'm not going to go too deep into this because obviously we don't like to do too many NRL to NRLW comparisons. But you could make an argument that Adam Reynolds is not a winner. Incredible player, really incredible player, but not a winner. Just doesn't have that that ability to get the job done in the big moments. Has done it before in the past, but just doesn't have it on a frequent level or on a consistent level at all. But Tamika Upton does. She just knows how to be there at the right moments for the Broncos, for the Knights. And um, she obviously was the one that put the dagger in late. Obviously, you know, they did miss a few kicks, but the, the thing that I really want to, without sounding salty, because I have mentioned multiple times the Knights, I don't want to take anything away from them. I don't want to say that they didn't deserve to win. But there was a couple of instances in the game that I do have to kind of focus in on because it did completely and utterly change the momentum of the game and the stranglehold that we had on the game. You go back to, I think it was around the 26th minute, I think it was the 25th, 26th minute of the game, we're leading, the, the the Knights have just, granted, just scored a try, but we've still got the ball, we've got the, uh, we're coming out of our own line, I think we're on the 50, and then or 40 on their side of the field, and Shaley Bent apparently drops it. That was absolutely a strip. There was no doubt in anyone's mind. They got roasted on socials. Everyone was everyone at the stadium even like had a collective moan when it came out because we all knew that that was a legitimate strip. Uh, you know, it just seems like Badger in the bunker didn't even look at it. She just went immediately, made the call instead of us getting a penalty and getting on the attack again to try and hit back. We now lose the ball, and you know the Knights. The Knights end up uh, scoring on the next play and then scoring again in the 31st minute. Mm. So the whole. Hey, can, I, can I pause to interject there to say that's not only your opinion. My comments on Instagram really agreed with There's comments saying Badger ruins every game, Titans v ref. How many forward passes do the refs want to give the Knights? Titans aren't getting any call. Um, just all sorts of comments there. So it's not just you seeing that. It wasn't just, you know, um, people could tell you're just looking at it with a biased lens. That's a, a wide range of fans commenting on my halftime posts that support all different clubs. Sorry to interject there. No, you're right, man. No, it, it backs it up. Like it's just, and, and a lot of people who don't aren't as big a fans as we are, or as diehards as there are a lot out there, and they're like more of a casual viewer, or you know, just someone who watches it regularly but not crazily. 
that call can change the entire game. And actually, factually, it does change the entire game from that point onwards because instead of the ball being in one place, it's now another place and then different things happen. And then you take the ball away from this team and you give it to that team. And although it's earlier in the game, it completely changes the momentum and who's got the ball. And again, they went and scored two tries on it just before half time. And we always say, you score within the last five minutes of the first half, you're more than likely going to win that game. Broncos take note. But the, yeah, the Knights scored two tries in the last seven minutes of the first half, one try in the last four minutes. And that's what happened. That changed the game and they took the lead. And that's why they went into half time being, what, 12-6 up, I think it was, or something 12, like that. 12-8, I believe. 12-8, yeah, because we got that penalty. Yeah, that's right. And Zara yeah. Canfield kicked it. Uh, so they're up 12-8 half time instead of us potentially being up 8-6, uh, you know? So, and that's a whole different ball game, man. And again, we had the penalty. We get to the attack at 20. We might have even made it, buddy, 14, 14-4. Uh, no, so they only got four points for that because they missed the kick. So we could have made it. You know, anyway, point matter is, is that that changed a lot of the game. And, you know, I don't think that it was a... I don't, I don't actually believe it was a forward pass, that one that people are referring to. I think that one angle looks like it is, but the side angle was kind of okay. So I'm okay to kind of forgive that one. But one I really want to go and have a look at, actually, no, two, two more things. One, the amount of time wasting the Knights were clearly doing. It was so obvious. It was so obvious that they were deliberately time wasting and really just faking injury the entire game and getting straight back up and then running the next ball, which shows that it was a fake injury. And secondly, they were, yeah, they were just all over the top of that. But the main thing, how was Southwell not binned for the elbow? How was she not binned for the elbow on one of our girls? I can't remember which girl it was. But I can't believe there was no ramification for that at all. There was clearly... Oh, it was on Steph Hancock. That's right. Um, it, it should have been at minimum a bin, but nothing was caught in that. So, look, without sounding salty, again, the Knights are the premium of the competition. They came first for a reason. But I do think that we were very un- unluckily and uh, hard, harshly done in this game in a lot of instances. Man, I don't even know where to start because I agree with everything you said and I've got even more to add to it. But I think the best place to start is with the Knights' injuries. Oh my God. At what point of of the game as the referee do you take control of this? Because the, you play to the ref's whistle. You don't play to the, oh, oh my God, I'm injured. I need to stop this game. I tell you why you don't do that because Steph got elbowed in the face and she didn't do it. She played to the ref's whistle. Now, the stats that back that up, an NRLW game goes for 70 minutes. The ball was in play for 47 minutes. Just over one half of That's of insane, football. man. That's actually wild. It's disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. Um, and that's that really did frustrate me. But I'll, I'll go to some of my points. For me, I start with their misconversions. They left six points on the table and I, and they were all in the first half. And I just felt with them continually missing those goals throughout the full 80, we were right in this. I'll be honest, I thought we executed my keys to victory really well, which in the preview show, I kind of spoke and said, I want to see us running slightly wider um, with our forward pack and tiring out theirs. We did a great job of that. The problem was, it's hard to tire out a football, uh, another football side when the ball's in play half the time and the clock's still running and you're getting those those breaks, which they were able to get a lot of. And I do wonder with the heat, if that was an intentional ploy by them. I do wonder if they spoke pre-game, hey, we're going to tire out in this heat. We need to fake plenty of injuries today. Oh, there's, um, there's no surprises there at all. They absolutely would have had the conversation because everyone was doing it. Southwell, the the lock, I think was that's is that Hannah Southwell the thirteen or is that yep. is Hannah Southwell the seven? 
Hannah Southwell thirteen, Jesse Southwell Jesse seven. Jesse Southwell's a seven, yeah. So and Hannah Southwell was was key in this, and again she's key in the elbow as well with Steph Hancock. But she obviously really heavily influenced the fact that they would just constantly because Belinda Sharp wasn't pulling it up, she wasn't stopping, she wasn't she was just allowing it to happen. So of course if you're going to get that advantage, then you're going to keep going on with it. It's so hard, man, because like I honestly feel like making a post on my pages right now, which I know will get good reach, and, and put up the fact the ball was in play for 47 minutes, put up the fact that an elbow was ignored, put up the fact that it was a clear strip that was ignored, but we're just going to look salty. And in the, the day, it's not that the Knights didn't deserve their win. I think as a Titans fan more than anything, it's just disappointing knowing how close we come. And if any of these events change and go our way, we probably win the game. We made more meters than them. We made more post-contact meters. And we did cause them to miss a massive 45 tackles. We executed really well in those areas of the game. Our first 20 minutes was impeccable. And that resulted with the 8-0 score. I only wish with hindsight we could have scored maybe one more um, if I had known that the Knights were going to lay down and really milk that clock out. Defensively, for the most part as well, really, really sound. We only missed 16 tackles all game. That's 29 less than they missed. And we're up over a 91% efficiency rating. So they they weren't ineffective tackles. Generally, with those defensive stats, you're going to win the game. For context, we missed 25 tackles against the Roosters, nine more, and we held them to zero, and we averaged 26 this season. So we defended really, really well. Better than our average is better than when we're holding a team to zero. So where did it all go wrong? We've spoken about some things we disagreed with, how we were better in all stats. I think, simply, and this sucks to say, they literally iced every single one of their opportunities. It wasn't really a moment in that game where I was watching with my partner and I said, oh my God, thank God they missed that one or that was a close one. They just seemed to get everything go their way, right? Mm. Yeah, 100%. Particularly through Tamika Upton. Oh, uh, yeah. Particularly through her. I mean, two tries, two tries, back-to-back premierships here, but she did also win back-to-back premierships with the Broncos back in the day. She is on a path to greatness and it sucks to say, but I'm sure you'd admit she did carve us up towards the end of this one, right? Yeah, she definitely carved us up. Uh, sorry for anyone watching that my computer rocked because I just completely knocked the table. But um, yeah, she is one of the goats of the game and she might go down as, you know, possibly the greatest player, to be completely honest with you, with the amount of premierships that she has. Uh, yeah, look, it, it's very unlucky, man. I think we deserved a lot more out of this game than we did get. And, you know, I, I will say, again, not salty because, again, I do think that the Knights deserve all due credit. But I will say that if any of those, as you kind of said, if any of those things go our way rather than their way, Belinda Sharp picks up on the the laying down, you know, picks up on the strip, you know, all these kind of different things, we do go on to win that game. And I think that we absolutely should be proud because we gave it everything against a really, really solid team who did... Look, another thing that comes down to is we had no experience and they've got experience. And that's what happens. It's very clear. In both the NRLW and in the NRL, both teams that were leading and then lost at the end were the two teams without the experience and both teams that came back and won it in the end through Nathan Cleary and Tamika Upton were able to have the experience from a grand final literally last year. Panthers four years in a row, Knights last year. So I think it just came down to experience laid on there because I still think that although those everything was going against us in those fa- factors, we just didn't know... We, we, we would have had the ability to win the game. We absolutely did. And again, it came down to that last 10 minutes. I will say something as well. We had 45 tackle breaks to their 16. 
45 mm. tackle breaks to their 16. That is absolutely insane. We had more run meters. Um, they had more runs. So we were, doing, we were more productive with our run meters. We had more post-contact meters. They had two extra line breaks. Uh, but we were having an average set distance of 46.73 to their 42.37. Our kick return meters were much more than theirs as well. Um, you know, we honestly, we really did well. And I, I genuinely believe that these stats are saying that you know, probably should have won this game. It was a 50% possession as well. Uh, 81% completion rate to their 84, but it was just one, literally one set more. So I'm really proud of this effort. I think that with the team that we've got, we're not, I don't believe we're losing anyone really. Um, I don't think we are. So I'm pretty excited for next year. And I think that we deserve more out of this game. And I think we worked hard for it. And I'm really proud. And honestly, to sum this up, I, like, I was so disappointed at full time. Now it's been able to sit, you know, life moves forward. Um, time heals all wounds, like they say. I'm so proud, man. We came so close to beating clearly the best side of the NRLW competition with back-to-back uh, premierships there. And, you know, I, I hate to draw in examples from the men's game when we talk NRLW. I like to pay the respect of like-for-like comparisons, but I couldn't find one that fit the, fitted the NRLW in this one. So I've got to give an NRL example. Panthers 2020, young. Very classy side that improved out of mind. Keep in mind, they were a bottom four side the year before. They were very, very bad. James Maloney leaves. Question marks all around. Uh, we lost Talia Fumau, an experienced half like James Maloney. Uh, didn't leave, but injured out for the year. They lost in the 2020 grand final to the best side of that era and that's time. And they were experienced in grand finals. And that was the Melbourne Storm. I view the six. Storm in that. Yes. And I view the Knights as kind of the Storm. Uh, in respect to that comparison there. The Panthers have since gone on to dominate. They lost one. They learned from what they did wrong. They came back and won it next year with the same, or, or mostly the same young side um, that actually got even more inexperienced. It was like James Tarlow, et cetera. So they got more inexperienced, but because they had that experience on the big day, they went on to dominate. Now, I see a lot of similarities between our side and that Panthers side, as well as that Storm side and this Knights side. And I truly believe just like I thought we'd win this one, so take this with a grain of salt potentially, but I believe with my head and my heart, we will be back in the grand final next year and we will be winning it. I really believe that. I truly do. And I suspect you're the same. Absolutely. Yeah, there's no no doubt in my mind. Like I, I straight up will look you guys in the eye and say we will be in the grand final in 2024 and we will win it. I genuinely believe it. We've got an incredible team here. They've got the experience now. We have the points in us now. We've shown that we can actually score points now and we've got good defense. We've got solid defense. We just need to piece it all together. And Karen Murphy and Aaron Booth have done an incredible job with this team to really get them going forward and, and push them into where they are. And the NRLW is now moving into a more similar state of consistency, right? Because there's not just one-year contracts anymore. It has been one-year contracts for a long time. And now I think it's a maximum of five-year contracts. And we've got a lot of these girls, I think, until you know a few years. So the point of the matter is, is that now, instead of just like the Parramatta Eels of last year, getting gutted for talent, losing all their players, and coming last after getting to the grand final, we now have pretty much the same team going into next year and we can actually build through this team and then kind of maintain it. So I'm, yeah, I think that we've got a really good team going to the future for quite some time and I genuinely believe that we'll be there on Grand Final Day next year and we will win it. Yeah, I was really hopeful of um, finding which players we have got locked up long-term, but it's not um, as easy to find that information I was speaking to... 
I was speaking to Dave, uh, Dave Fafita, Shaley Penn's partner. Uh, <laughs> I love how I said Shaley Penn's partner and not the player for our team. Uh, but I guess there, there we go. I was speaking to Dave before the game. It was actually on the vlog. And, you know, I was saying to him, you know, we have a genuine opportunity next year if if all things go right to, at, at very minimum, have the Tweedhead Seagulls because they're going to be absolute star-sided talent uh, considering they're our only feeder club next year. You can have a maximum of 10 NRL contract players, I believe, in the Host Plus Cup uh, team. So we'll have 10 players there and then they, they get there plus the NRLW. Look, Dave, you've got the pressure on you to get us to the grand final too because then we can have three teams in the grand final. That'd be pretty amazing. Obviously, I don't... Oh, I wouldn't be predicting us to come first next year in the men's but the point matter is is that the main thing that the, I take from this women's game and the women's season as a whole is that our mindset as a club has adjusted. The whole mindset has changed and we now believe that this team can actually do something and that we now believe that this club isn't just curse and isn't just you know down in the dumps 24-7. We actually have the ability, despite all the common occurrences over the last ever on the Gold Coast, we have the ability now to actually go and win this thing because one, I believe we should have won this game, but two, I know that we're going to be winning it next season and I'm really, really confident that that's going to have this one grand final will have a massive impact and influence on the entirety of the club. Hopefully the netball as well because we didn't know we have netball mm. teams on the Gold Coast uh, Titans as well. So hopefully it has a, a massive impact all around, but yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a really good next couple of years and, and hopefully, hopefully we've uh, put ourselves in line with what Panthers were, you know, 2023, uh, 2020. It goes back to that old saying as well, you can't be what you don't see. Um, they usually say it in relation to like kids growing up and stuff like that. But it applies here as well because almost every other NRL, NRLW team can kind of look back at yesterday's heroes and see a level of success, um, which we, it's unfortunate to say, but we can't really say that as a Titans. You know, we don't really, like, I'm sure the Broncos, for example, looked back to the 2006 squad this week and took motivation from it. Um, now we can actually... You know, we've seen ourselves in a grand final and we know we belong there, most importantly. I did find it while you were talking. Our only two players that played in the grand final that are off contract next year is Brittany Braley Nati and Stephanie Hancock. I think for Steph, it'll come down to do you want to keep playing? She'll play. Um, and for, I think so. She loves it so much, right? And mm. I think we'll re sign Brittany as well. I think she'll be in hot demand by the clubs. But Well, she, yeah, well, Brittany Bradley Nardi, obviously she's got a family here on the Gold Coast, but she was nominated for, you know, Hooker of the Year at, at the Dally M. So, you know, she's someone we want to lock down there. And, you know, we, yeah, I, I don't believe that she'll want to leave either. Yeah, I'm confident we re sign both of those players. I'm confident they want to be here as well. Let's jump into our 3 2 ones. Focus off with my three points. Uh, it has to be Jamie Chapman, El Chapo, three tries, a grand final hat trick. Um, usually you wouldn't read about it, but on this very strange day, you did read about it in the state championship and the NRL. But regardless, man, you had in 14 tackle breaks. Like, dude, our whole team missed 16 tackles. Mm. <laughs> she almost made the Knights miss more tackles on her own than we missed mm -hmm. as a whole team. It's insane to think about. One of the greatest NRLW grand final performances. And in my opinion, the most unlucky player ever in NRLW to miss out in the Karen Murphy medal based on that performance. Who gets your three points? It has to go to El Chapman. It has to go to Jamie Chapman. You know, she is 
unbelievable in this game. Three tries, you know, it, it was just something that you, you just don't even think about happening. You know, in a grand final, the peak of the game, to go and score three times, and she's actually our only try scorer in this game, but to go and score three times, she would have had 95 fantasy points, which is an incredible outing there. But she also had 165 running meters through 14 runs. You know, that that is a mental effort because her tries weren't actually you know, massive field breaks. So usually you'll see with like running meters and you're seeing with tries that a lot of the time, like as a man, his running meters would be well off because he's made a break for like 40, 50 meters. So Jamie has scored those tries from relatively close range and then added on more meters outside of that as well, which is really impressive there that she's going up towards Shana Marto numbers, you know, Vani Politi numbers uh, and Jessica Ellison there. Actually had the exact same amount of meters as Jessica Ellison this game as a center. So yeah, uh, for someone who wasn't making long breakaways and was scoring those tries relatively close, that's actually a really impressive stat there and had the three line breaks and as he said, the 14 tackle breaks. That's incredible. So, yeah, Jamie Chapman absolutely has to be the the MVP for this game. And as you said, extremely unlucky that she didn't get the Cam Murphy medal. Just to add that context that I said one more time, we missed 16 tackles on every <laughs> single Knights player. They missed 14 on just Jamie alone. Really, really insane. My two points goes to Lauren Brown. Um, just simply Chapman doesn't score three without her. Lauren Brown's ball playing, composure and experience in this grand final was on full display. She finishes with three tries, and she also made 16 tackles and was handy for us in defense. So I've got Lozzo for my two points, and who gets yours? It's going to be Lauren Brown again as well. As you yeah. said, three line break assists, three try assists. You know, she, with seven runs, made 61 meters as well. So that's a pretty, pretty solid strike rate in regards to the meters that she's making as one of the halves. Uh, really impressive, as you said, you know, just to, to get that ball away to, to Chapo and, and to really be a leader in the team in the halves, which is what we've needed this year because we struggled the first half of the year with two inexperienced halves. We then now have an inexperienced half alongside an experienced half, and that is obviously helping out Shantae Kiriratu. Uh, you know, obviously a long way to come still for Shantae, but Lauren is a really good influence for her. And this game is just proof, absolute proof, that Lauren Brown is who we want to, you know, lead us into the future in in the halves department. Now, obviously, you know, Talia Fuimona and Matt are coming in as well. Like that's an incredible halves pairing there of Lauren Brown and Talia Fuimona. Um, so, yeah, really impressed with Lauren Brown. That's uh, that's definitely my two points in that game. And, it, yeah, I'm very happy with how she's gone this year as a whole, especially moving from hooker to half. Yeah, completely agree. Um, very, very handy that she can play both as well. Hooker and halfback gives us options. Um, well, actually, just before a... we move on here, just just to give that extra option potentially, if, say, as we said just then, Brittany Pralinardi does not resign and she does go elsewhere... You know, you can think about putting Talia Fuimaona into that position and Lauren Brown into the, back into that number nine if things did go down that way. Or you put Shantae as the, as the seven. Would you say that Shantae Kiriratu is more of a seven or a six? I'd say a seven because that's yeah. where Karen started her this year in round one. Mm. I think our round one spine actually was Brown at hooker, halfback Kiriratu, and hooker was Fuimaona. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'd say more of a halfback, and I'd, I'd put Talia at the six if we're talking worst case scenario, and we do lose Brittany. Um, you agree with that? Yeah, I'd say if we if we lost Brittany, then and which is not what we want, by the way, we're just kind of throwing yeah. out the hypothetical here. But you probably would put unless we sign somebody else, you would put Lauren Brown to the nine, you would put Shantae to the seven, and then you would put Talia into the six. Yeah. 
Mm. My one point, Shannon Marto, as I said, we dominated that opening 20, and I feel like like she's been this season. She's so important to that. She's the key to us dominating that middle period. Um, all up in this game, she had 18 hit-ups for 184 metres, and she also made 27 tackles without missing a single one. So it's a really, really great effort by Shannon there in the middle. Um, who are you going to go for your one point? I'm going to go the same, man. <laughs> yeah, you got it. It, it was, was a bit of an obvious one this week, wasn't it? Yeah, all three, it, it's pretty obvious. 184 running metres. Like, yeah, Polita did make 220 run metres, which is impressive. But I just think that Shannon Mato, her hard work through the middle, yet again, you know, 85 post-contact metres, uh, had a tackle break, had 16 hit-ups in the game, uh, made 27 tackles in the game. Uh, you know, it, it really, she is an impressive player. And there's a reason why she won our player of the year this year for the Titans and also uh, made the, the Dallian uh, team of the year as well for, for being a prop. So really impressive there by Shannon. Yeah, the, the 3-2-1s this week was pretty obvious. I think you're going to usually kind of find that in a grand final. Unless unless we had have won the game, then it might differentiate up a little bit. But in a loss, you can usually clearly define who were your best in the, out, best in the outing. Yeah, completely agree. Uh, let's keep the NRLW theme rolling here. Let's look at some NRLW rewards. We'll go over our player of the year, most improved, best signing, and best rookie. I'm going to throw one to you impromptu, though. Our 2023 losses, I'm going to say who we lost in the offseason, and I want you to name one you would have liked to have kept in, in a perfect world, just for a bit of a fun hyper, hypothetical one. Tasman Gray, Jasmine Peters, Maddie Bartlett, Roxy Murdoch-Masilla, Emily Curtin, Arpi Nichols, April Natu Puna, Jatea Faifua, Tiana Rafstrand Smith, and Grace Griffin. If you could go back in time and keep one of those players, does anyone jump out to you right away? Did you say Destiny Brill there? Was she there last year or the year before? Uh, must have been the year before. She's not popping up on the list I've got here. Hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's funny, right? Because I don't really. I don't really know if I I would like I, like Tiana Rafshan yeah. Smith was great for the Cowboys, but I, I think our team it, it shows that we've just got a really good team because I'm not really yeah. looking at that list and saying that. Well, I I'm, can only look at Jasmine Gray because she did win the uh, Women's Origins MVP award at the back row, and I'm thinking she would have been really handy. So yeah, look, I I can say yeah, I, I would agree with that one there. You know, I think that. I think that Zara Canfield, yeah, look, she's she's had a fine season. She's she's done what she's needed to do. But I think that you could utilize her off the bench actually better than kind of where she's at right now. And I think, yeah, okay, Tasman Gray and Shaylee Benton, that back row would be a pretty incredible back row. Mm. It, it's, a, it's a tough question. I, I didn't mean it in the way of which of our players need replacing. It was purely just... Well, yeah, I'm just trying um, to find, find a way to get her into the team. Exactly. That, yeah. It's so hard to look at a grand final team and think, oh, let's replace this person because they all deserve to be there, right? Uh, but an interesting one for our listeners to play at home. Have a think about that list and think out of uh, interest who you might have loved to have kept. Yeah, comment in let's the YouTube our... comment so that we can see it for next week. Yeah, yeah, good call. That'd be a really good one to go over next week. Um, and, and do the same for these end of season awards, actually. Let's uh, get everyone to play along at home. I'll go to you to start it off. Our player of the year, who are you going to lock in for that award? Uh, is it really a question? Uh, do you really need to ask me this one? Because it's pretty obvious, yeah. man. Georgia Hale, I predicted her, predicted her as my MVP 
at the beginning of the year, uh, I think that she was our real uh, solid core leader. Uh, you know, obviously we did have the likes of Chanamato there and Ivanya Politi was incredible as a fullback as well. Uh, but and, and Lauren Brown stood up as well as a leader. But the, I just can't look past what Georgia Hale has done here for this team this year. She's broken records. She got harshly done at the Dally M's. Uh, you know, and I think that she just suffered because she's around so many quality players this year. Uh, but with that being said, you know, you go and have a look at the Knights and to make it up and still got the points despite being around a lot of quality players. So, yeah, I don't know about that. But Georgia Hale for me, definitely the MVP. I thought she was incredible this year. The only problem I could see with the Dallium's is that Georgia Hale isn't really a tackle breaker. She's more of a ball facilitator, whereas Samama Taufa is more of a runner. But, I mean, man, 106 metres average, still over 100 metres for a forward in with 70 minutes. Said, well, sorry to interrupt you, but with that being said, like yeah. she had like 150 more tackles than the next best. Yeah. Throughout yeah, the season. It was, yep. it was crazy. Um, yeah, well, I've got... Her highest this season was 56. Um, she's also... Sorry, 57. She made 56 on another occasion and 55. I believe the record was either 54 or 55 from Taufa when she was with the I Eels. it was 52, wasn't it? 52. Okay, in that instance, she's broken it outright three times. And she'd also... So she'd hold first, second, third. Taufa would hold fourth. And Georgia Hale in this season would hold fifth as well with 50 tackles. Mm-hmm. Like, do you know what I mean, bro? We're talking about, we're talking NRLW history. Four out of the top five tackles made in a game is held by one person achieved in a single year. So it goes without saying she is my player of the year as well. Not only for her defending and statistically being the best defender of all time in NRLW history and breaking records, but also her leadership. A really, really great part of her game. She talks well. She represents the club well. She gets the message across to players. She's experienced. Everyone respects her in the game and around our club. I cannot speak highly enough about Georgia. So she is my Titans NRLW Player of the Year. Let's go to most improved. I'll kick us off here. This is really hard for me because the changeover in our squad was quite minimal. Yeah. Um, sorry, uh, quite significant. Yeah. Uh, which <laughs> I was going to say, wait that, a second. We, we had a whole yeah. heap of new players this year, man. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I, I have the opposite in my notes. I don't know what happened there. It was a, a bit of a brain fart, just like the uh, uh, Hufanga call from a few weeks ago. Uh, so <laughs> because we did have that big changeover of players and it was significant, like you said, it was hard because, you know, it's hard to look at last year and this year and pick out the player that improved most for us. But I was able to single out Jessica Elliston. Um, last year, Steph and Shannon Marto were predominantly our starting props. And I thought that Jess, you know, last year she was a great bench addition that really came off and bought some oomph. This year she's absolutely established herself as an out-and-out starting prop in the league. Like, you'd never look at Jess now and think, we need to bring her off the bench. She is absolutely a starter there alongside Shannon Mato. So she gets my most improved award. Are you going to go someone else or have you got it as Jess as well? No, I think it does have to go to Jessica Ellison. I think that she uh, she really lays her heart on her sleeve. She is an amazing person for this club. You know, she's an entertainer. She's got a great personality and she's a romper on the field, man. Absolute romper on the field. You know, she's got a lot of very similar stats across her games to Shannon Mato. You look at this game here in the grand final, 
you know, Shane Marshall had 184 running meters from 18 runs, while Jesse Ellison had a minute less, but 14 runs for 165 meters. So, and then you go and have a look through all the other stats, and they're all very, very, very similar. So, when we're giving such positive recommendations to Shannon, you also have to shout out Jessica Ellison. And I think that, yeah, as you said, has really cemented herself as one of the best front rowers in the entire game of the NRLW right now, alongside Shannon Marto. I've said this pretty much every week for the last probably like seven, eight weeks, we have the best front row duo in the NRLW and I refuse to to listen otherwise. Like the, the stats speak for themselves, the performances speak for themselves and Jessica Ellison has had a great year for the Titans. So yeah, I think she's been the most improved. Perfect call right there. I think a lot of people will agree with that one. Uh, let's go best signing. I'll go to you first. Was it Shaley Bent, Jamie Chapman, Emily Bass, Danny Parisi, Caitlin Phillips, Talia Fuimayano, Niall Williams-Guthrie. Uh, and then we have some other signings this year, such as like Riley and Destiny, but they didn't come from another NRL club. So I think mm. we should cut the list there. Um, who gets your best signing award? Yeah, look, I think that just to kind of mention a few as well, Emily and Talia were both incredibly unlucky through injury, uh, specifically Talia, but Emily also had a very, very... Uh, mixed year in regards to being able to actually get it out onto the field. And we all know that Talia didn't play past the first 30-odd minutes against the Cowboys in round one. So we haven't really been able to see her. But I, I believe that Talia had an incredible opportunity to get it, but I can't go past Jamie Chapman. You know, she scored two hat-tricks for us this season. She has been... I think she kind of got off to a relatively slow start. Like, she was still adjusting to the Gold Coast, but then absolutely started pumping home. And as I just said, in the last four weeks, she scored two hat-tricks because there was, in between the Eels game and the Grand Final, there was only two games, and that was the Raiders down there in... Uh, Canberra, and then there was the next game, which was the Roosters game. Um, so, and I don't... Did she score? She must... Uh, she would have had to have scored a try in that Raiders game, yeah? Uh, which player was that? Sorry, I was Googling something. <laughs> oh, cool. Yep, just talking to myself, maybe. Uh, <laughs> Jamie Chapman. Uh, in the Raiders game? I can't remember off the top of my head. I'm not too sure. Yeah. yeah, well, let, yeah me Google, uh, though. Let, me, let me add to my Googling of what I'm already Googling. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, Google the Google, and uh, at least now he's listening to me, folks. Uh, but yeah, so look, Jamie Chapman has had a really, really integral year to this club. She's she's a big part of why we started to score points towards the back end of the year as well, which is what we needed. We were defending well. We're, we actually went into the grand final. Actually, you know what? I'll say this. After the entirety of the season is done, we were the best a defensive team in the entirety of the competition. The best defensive team in the entirety of the competition because we were above the Knights by about 17 or so points, I believe it was, going into that grand final in regards to conceded less points, 17. And we've come out of it. We've only lost by six, which means it's an 11-point difference there on the same amount of games. And then when it was the Roosters, we beat them out uh, because we obviously beat them last week uh, and and had a better point uh, defense post last week against them. So yeah, we ended up being the best defensive team in the competition this year. Yeah, we nailed this year. And uh, sorry, usually I am listening whilst I'm Googling. <laughs> um, Jamie Chapman did score in that game. Yeah, What I actually got lost on dude, and I was just confirming it. Man, we made the freaking grand final, man, losing an origin winger in Emily Bass and a Jillaroo in the first 30 minutes of our season. Yeah, um, And I was just Googling everything to make sure I hadn't mistaken that in my head. Like, wow, man, what an effort. Yeah, uh, What an effort. Like with respect to that night side, man, if you take either of their wingers out, they're both great wingers, but let's say Jasmine Strange, you take you take her out, 
and then you take out their key half, which would be Jesse Southwell. Jesse Southwell, yeah. There's no way they make the grand final like we did. There's no way it's even competitive. We would romp them. Man, I can't believe it. I'm so confident we win next no, year. We're so winning the comp next year. We're winning the comp next year. Oh, Say it with oh, me. We are winning the comp. We are winning the comp next year. And I'm so sorry I went off on a daydream there thinking about it. But <laughs> oh, seriously, yeah, I'm just so impressed at what we were able to do and, and so excited for the future. Best rookie. Now, I could have won a few different ways with this. I have to give honorable mentions, of course, to Riley Jorgensen and Destiny Minosinapati. But I went the way of Shante Kiriaratu. Uh, just because she did play all 11 games this year, it was her debut season and they were all in the spine, which I think you really have to do respect. It's the toughest position to play in the halves in the NRLW. Um, and the fact she did it as a teenager in her rookie year and played the whole season there and got to a grand final, I locked her in for my rookie of the year, but you could go a different way. Um, are you going to go a different way with your pick? I think that this has been a really good year for Shantae in regards to the experience. I don't think the grand final was one of her better games, that's for sure. I think that she's had a lot better games throughout the season. Uh, but with that being said, I think that she will learn a significant amount from that game. I, I do really want to say, though, that Riley Jorgensen this year has been exceptional in regards to bringing that energy and that vibe and that tackle, the, the real big hit that gets us on the front foot. You can't miss her in that pink headgear, and she just throws her body at the line. Uh, maybe wasn't her greatest in the grand final, but again, you can throw that down to experience and being in front of 40,000 people, which these women are not used to being in front of. Again, we've now got that experience of playing on the big stage. These girls have it. We play the Knights next year. I tell you what, we win because we've now got that experience and these these debutantes that we've had, and the Titans posted this on their Instagram today, actually. We had so many debutantes for this team this year. So damn well many. And I think that Riley has had a great year for us and she's been really impactful. And then Destiny Minos in a party as well. She has had such a quality year that I nearly want to say her. I, I do nearly want to say after the entirety of the season is done, I think that I do want to say that our Rookie of the Year would be... Oh, who do I... Get? No, you know what? I am going to say Riley. I'm going to say Riley is my Rookie of the Year. I think that she, across the entirety of the season, has had such a drastic impact on the, the, the vibe and energy of this team. Yeah, I think Riley's ceiling, based on what I've seen in her rookie season, is higher than Shantae's. Like, I can see a world where Riley is genuinely, like, one of the best back rowers in the NRLW in a few years. Yeah. Um, and an out-and-out starter with the amount of energy she brought off the bench. So I think it's a great selection as well. And I think Destiny Minos in a party is also a great shout there. She was awesome on the wing for us. Um, and realistically, given Karina Brown is a former Jillaroo and, and Origin player, you could make the argument that it was Destiny holding Emily Bass out of that spot as well. So yeah, that does wrap up our NRLW awards. We're going to switch back to the men's side of the house now. Uh, we're going to go to our usual Q&A section. This time we've got one sent in from a listener, and we're also going to go through a question Blaze posed to uh, Titans fans across Facebook earlier this year. But our question comes from the Gold Coast Titans Frontline Podcast. Uh, that's a group on Facebook. You can join if you're a Titans fan and talk all things Titans there. It comes from Jesse Shields, and he says, if Isaac Liu retires in the 2025 should Tino move to lock and then Joel off to starting prop alongside Fodawaka? Then you would have Chris Randall and Policia coming off the bench for our prop backup. My first point, I think Isaac moves off contract at the end of this year, not That's what I was going to say. That's, that's what I was confused, looking confused about because I was like, there's no, I don't mm. believe he's signed for another two more years. 
I think it's just this year. So let's bring that question forward one year um, and let me pose it to you. Do you like a world where Tino moves back to lock or do you think he's an out-and-out prop at this stage of his career? I would prefer to look elsewhere for the 13. I actually had this conversation with Justin uh, last year, uh, early, mid-last year, and actually, funnily enough, I'm not saying that I'm the reason for it, but post-conversation, that's when Tino was moved to the front row. Again, maybe, you know what? I should be the coach at this point, you know? Uh, but we had a conversation. I was like, I think that Tino just needs to run the ball hard, lead from the front, and not have to think about passing as well because I think that he can make mistakes when he passes well. Now, he's played, what, Queensland as a lot before. You know, obviously, he's represented on the big stage in the lot before and can play there for sure, play the back end of our season this year kind of in the, in the lock department because we had no Lee and we had no uh, Aaron Clark as well. Yeah. So, you know, I think he can do it, but I do think that he is one of the best front rowers in the game. I think he's the third best front rower in the game after 2023 uh, behind Adam Blake and Payne Haas. And I think that his, his ceiling is even higher. But I think that you, you probably, either you go with Aaron or you go Jacob Alec or you do look to the market for a 13, a pure 13, because I would prefer to keep this team intact and not mess up what Tino does now, is what I'd say. Mm. I think it's a great question by Jesse, but I do agree with you. I think Tino at lock reminds me of when Joseph Tarpany plays there for the Kiwis. They're more or less saying, we're going to come up the middle and we're going to play three forwards at you. And I just think if you look at what it takes to be a successful team in the NRL, let's go to the top four this year. Panthers, Isaiah Yo, ball playing lock. Broncos, Patrick Carrigan, same story. Storm, Joshua King, not so much, but Warriors, Tohu Harris, ball playing lock. So that's a 75% strike rate of the top four sides having a ball-playing lock. And if you look broadly across the competition at other successful teams, Cameron Murray's, Victor Radley's, you could go on and on and on. The key theme is you need to have someone who can link with the halves. And the, the lock position in this day and age is almost an extension of the spine. You can almost argue there's five spine positions now. You know what's funny about that, and just, just to quickly jump in, is that everyone says that, and yet we don't change it. Like, it should just be classified as a spinal position, because everyone says what you just said. It's it's 100%. The, sp- the 13 is a part of the spine. 1, 6, 7, 9, 13. It's as simple as that, but no one wants to go on and admit it. So everyone's still here saying it should be a part of the spine, but it's not. But in this day and age, it is. So can mm. we just get to a point where everyone just says that's a part of the spine? I agree. And, you know, ironically, the coach that kind of changed the 13 into an extra prop out there was Des Hazard with the Bulldogs. I mean, we kind of went about that mentality where I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but I think it was like Frank Pritchard, Sam Cassiano. Like, it, they had a huge forward pay, and James Graham. Um, and they intentionally played as if they had three props out there because back in the day, you could wrestle and really slow that ruck down. So it was of your benefit to have well, bigger maybe bodies. Jacob Alec. Maybe Jacob Alec in there, you know? Forget the dogs war. It's going to be the Titans of war in 2024 on the Desi, baby. Uh, but no, it, it all, in all seriousness, I do think that having a big um, lock forward is probably a, a little bit of in the past when there was more interchanges in a slower game. Now with six to go, less interchanges. I think you need a mobile lock forward, which we have in Aaron Clark. But great question there. Great food for thought there from Jesse. Now I'm going to read out the question you posed uh, all over. This is all over all Titans groups on Facebook. Um, and it was posted on September 19th, about two weeks ago now. And it just simply said, out of all our games in 2023, what was your favorite to watch and why? I've had a scroll through a lot of the comments. Let's talk about some now. The key one I'm seeing is the Broncos win. 
that jumps out to me as our best win. Is it your best win as well? I would say that that's our best win, especially considering they got to the grand final, the Broncos, and we beat them 18-12 at Suncorp. So fun fact for everyone, I was going around telling everyone on the weekend that even if the Broncos won, I'm claiming the premiership because you're only as good as your last game and we beat them in their last game against us. So uh, that's what I would have gone around doing. Uh, but obviously it wasn't to be because they're a bunch of choke artists. Uh, but yeah, look, obviously we beat them there. That was incredible. Most people are throwing that one out there. Uh, it was a defensive effort. We had no Tino in that game. It was the week after Justin Holbrook got sacked. Obviously, uh, we had Jimmy Lenahan's first game as a coach there. We're going into a Broncos team that was flying on all cylinders. You know, we ended up getting Reese Walsh suspended in that game too. Uh, and yeah, derailing his Dalian potential season. So that's even better. Uh, so Reese's Pieces, how you going there? But yeah, look, overall, the Broncos game on a pure result basis, you're probably you're probably going to be saying that's our best win. You do have to look... Uh, Isaac Van Zanten has said, mine would be Magic Round, Titans versus the Eels. Only one goal for the Titans out of all of us. That went great atmosphere. and It was just a great game to watch and be at. I agree as well in regards to that because obviously I was there and the atmosphere was brilliant. Obviously, it was Magic Round, so there was fans of all other teams. We had the Roosters, Cowboys that day as well, but the Cowboys got a massive surprise win and we were the underdogs as well. And then the other game was it was it was an awful game. Oh no, it was Tigers Dragons. So yes, it was it was an awful game. Uh, but yeah, that was a really important one for us at the time. Lofty had a breakout. Uh, Foz again. He he. That was his first really big game for us. And in that jersey, we're actually undefeated. And he scored five tries in that jersey across two games this year. So let's just have that as our jersey all year long in 2024. Uh, or so, just yeah. get him in it. <laughs> yeah, or just get him just in it. You know what? It. <laughs> Boys, home home game, you guys can wear the home kit. Foz, you're in that kit, the Magic Round kit. Away game, boys, you're in the away <laughs> kit. Foz, you're in the uh, <laughs> Magic Round kit, mate. So, listen, that's just how it's going to be. Uh, but yeah, I think I think those, those two, and then another a third one to kind of throw out there would be the Cowboys game at home that ultimately ended their season. And... And uh, kind of kept us in the season at the time. Obviously, we had the Warriors the next week. And, and those are the three ones that I'm really looking at here for the most part. But some some clown has said the last one when the season finally ended. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> no need for that. A uh, bit of trivia. When was the last time? <laughs> do, do you know off the top of your head, when was the last time we won a round one game besides this year? Uh, Canva 2018. Yep, nailed it. Yeah, so no one actually offset this game, but I, I'd like to offer the Tigers came in round one at Leichhardt Oval just because we didn't know how good the Tigers were. Well, not to be disrespectful, the Tigers. We didn't know how bad they were going to be more so at that point of the season. They did have some good signings, as did we. And it was like it was a bit of a coin flip game. So it was really, really nice to get that win um, in round one there and break that losing streak. Jared Cornish uh, from our Facebook group. He threw up our round three win over the storm. He said it was one of the most entertaining games. Showcase the Titans attacking flair. We muscled up, mentally resuming in the game. Uh, plus, at this stage, the dreams of a maiden premiership were still alive. So Actually, this has to be my highlight. You know what a big one here and that I didn't even think about until I just read it was from Anthony Dowell. And he says Titans beating Manly at Brookvale. And the reason why that was so significant for mine was due to the fact that one, we won 13 plus, but it was the result the week beforehand that we needed to bounce back from because the week beforehand was the game against the Dolphins at Suncorp. So we needed to go into that game and prove to our fans that we weren't just 
you know, just taking money from the club and playing without any soul, without any culture, without any care factor. And they went and they flogged Manly at, at, at Brookvale. And it was a cold night. It was raining a little bit. And I think that that was a really, really important win for us for sure. And even in that game, 10 minutes after half time, yeah. Sean Kelly, um, and then they kicked a penalty goal five minutes later. Mm. Um, so, which actually was what know. derailed their game. They, they probably—I'm not going to say they probably would have won the game, uh, but <laughs> well, <laughs> look, you can forgive me after having to watch that Dolphins game the week before. But at that point, they had massive momentum, and they chose to go with the two. And I think they were down by ten, uh, so it went, made like eight points or something. It was so strange. It was so damn well strange. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of what derailed that game for them. And then we kind of pulled away, but. You guys can forgive me for thinking that we probably would have thrown that game away if they would have gone for the try instead. I mean, after what we saw the week before against the Dolphins, I'd yeah. say that would have been short price. And I did see a, a bit of a rumor, a stat there, that Tanner Boyd kicked two out of five that night. No. That's simply not true. It's not true. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what the NRLs... How many times... Stats, listen here, Clarky. I don't know how many times I've got to tell you this. Tanner Boyd does not miss. All right, Tanner Boyd <laughs> does not... Miss, it's it's simple. It's not hard. Do I need to say it even clearer? Tanner Boyd does not miss with a little bit of an Italian spin there. So listen, yeah, I don't know don't what stats you're looking at. Well, I've had um, to tell you many times this year. I'm telling you again. <laughs> well, you definitely tell the listeners as well. But hey, Tanner Boyd, underrated man. I was on um, Facebook the other day, and and someone threw out a, a take at me saying um, one of our former players, Toby Saxon, will be a, a top five halfback in the league next year. They said. And I said, look, respectfully to Toby, he's a really handy player. I think he'll help the Bulldogs next year. But I said, top five, and I listed all the halfbacks that are ahead That's of him. That's why I love, like, I love Toes, but come on, man. Yeah, like you just got to be realistic, right? Like there's just no way he's overtaking a bunch of players in, in one season to become, be considered top five. Um, and I, I in that list of players ahead of him right now, I put Tanner Boyd. And a lot of people commented. Uh, he really tried to sneak Tanner in there. Tanner Boyd's no good. Toby's way better than Tanner. And it's like... Oh, Okay, why weren't you our coach then? Because Tanner is clearly better at this stage. Yeah, um, and I agree with you. And like Toby's a good friend of mine, love Tobes, but you know Tanner is also a good friend of mine, love Tan. And I've I tell you right now that Tanner is a better player than Tobes. We've always said though, Toby has the highest ceiling on a pure mm. ceiling level, but I don't necessarily know if he's actually going to get there because one is at the Bulldogs now, and two. On what basis are, are people actually saying that Toby is better than Tanner? I really, I really don't get it because I will say this as well. Justin loved Toby. Justin would went to war for Toby, man. He would always throw out there and, and force him into the team because he knew how good of a trainer he was, how hard he worked, how much he wanted it, and how quality he was. And for Justin to then say, you know what, I'm going with Tanner, that tells me a lot about this team, right? And that... Tanner is the better player there, and it should tell everyone else that. So, look, again, love Tobes. I'm not here just kind of ripping into him, but I, I am going to defend our halfback over, over him. And, and I think that that stat right there, the fact that Justin was the biggest believer in Toby and still didn't select him in the end, tells you everything you need to know. Yeah, completely agree with that. Uh, let's go one more. Let's go uh, Kyle Alderman. And he says, round 23 against the Warriors. Despite the loss, the boys shown how gutsy this team can be. Playing with 12 men for the majority of the game and hung right in there till the end. I loved this game. Why I loved it as well was we beat the Broncos this year. We beat the Storm this year. And we competed really well against the Warriors there for 70 minutes. And the Panthers. And we competed 
yeah, we competed well against Pens for 60 minutes. So, like, against the top dogs this year, we did match it with them, if not win, 50% win rate over top four sides. So, um, I, you know, it was a loss, but I was also happy about that Warriors game. And I'll never forget it, because when Jaden Campbell got the oh, intercept and ran the field, I literally jumped up and screamed so loud, I, like, blacked out. I, like, fell backwards and woke up on the couch, kind of, like, you know, very temporary pass out, but... That's how excited I was. So that was that a was magnificent game of footy. Probably the best kind of moment in recent Titans history that Jaden Campbell tried, I would say, especially at Seabus. Mm. The crowd was obviously very predominantly Warriors in that game. And when JC lit it up with that intercept, man, like the Titans fans that were in attendance went absolutely nuts. I would say that the most hype moments in, in, in memory of the Titans is... Yeah, obviously, Jaden Campbell won. I would say the Jared Wallace try uh, at, against the Dragons at Magic Round last year was was pretty hype. Uh, you go back and you look at the Jared Hayden field goal against the Tigers. Um, you know, I, I would say the Bowie Firma breakaway that didn't end up being a try. We're not going to talk about the ending of that play. Uh, but that Bowie Firma breakaway against the Roosters is there. And then, obviously, you go further back. But I, I would put that Jaden Campbell moment up there with some of the best in our history. And despite the loss, yeah, that was a... That was, I would actually say that that would be the third best game. Actually, you know what? I would go and say that's the second best game that the Titans played all season. Because although we lost, we were down Mikey Fodawaka for 65 odd minutes. Um, controversial at that as well. 65 odd minutes, and yet we took it to the team and we're tying with them despite being down by 12 points early in the second half. We then still tied with them at the 73rd minute before getting tied because we were down a man for 60 odd minutes, 70 minutes. So yeah, I'd say that my, num- my top three one Broncos at Suncourt, two Warriors despite the loss. And then three, I will probably say, was manly for what I said before. That it was a very important mentally game. I'll, I'll agree with your top two. For my third, I'll go Cowboys. Uh, it was between manly to, and Cowboys. We just needed a win at that point. Um, I was so sick of losing tight ones, so that was an awesome um, win as well there. Uh, for what it's worth, my top hype moment that I've been in the crowd at Seabus for, I think was 2014, round 26, when Aiden Caesar kicked the field goal. Yeah, that game. Well, down 18-0 in that game, and we, we won 9-18. Yeah. Yep, that was uh, that was a really loud moment in the crowd. I remember Bulldogs fans trying to fight me after. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Welcome I know, to Bulldogs, I know you know fan, man. Well, <laughs> yeah, I know you know about that. Uh, but I was like 17 at the time. I was with mates. And they don't awesome care, man. They don't care if you're 5, 10, 20, 50, 80. They want yeah. to biffo you regardless, win, lose, or draw, mate. That's Bulldogs <laughs> fans for you. Um, and I remember as they were leaving quite angrily, I said, well, that's your finals footy done uh, because <laughs> it didn't look like they were going to do much. They still made the grand final, to be fair. So, um, And they I got guess, robbed by the Rabbitohs. Yeah, well, they got the last laugh in that regard. But we got the win. That's all that mattered at the time. Um, yeah, awesome episode. That was, that was a really fun one. And of course, although now our NRLW season is over as well, we will continue the podcast and come up with some interesting discussions. Uh, we might just player interviews still nothing 100% set in stone um, other that we will be trying our best to keep the podcast consistent um, for you all so I want to say thank you very much we will be back next week to do a full breakdown of our NRLW season uh, we'll go game by game or section by section break it all down where it went right where it went wrong Players. where we need to be better next year um, and that'll be added at its regular time as these were so that's all from myself again thank you very much and over to you Blaze for the final word 
Yeah, look, it was an awesome season, guys. And obviously, this is the end of the actual pure Titans, you know, live rugby league coverage because obviously the men's is already done and the women's is done. Now, the whole game of the NRL is done. We've got the Pacific Championships coming up, which we can actually cover some of that too with our Titans girls, actually, because yeah. we've got some girls playing for Samoa, Australia, New Zealand. We've got Dave, oh, Davey's injured, uh, but we've got a couple of the boys Tino? playing. Um, Tino is playing for Australia, you know. Uh, we've got. I think Fodawaka is playing for Tonga. Yep, Tonga. Uh, and, and, oh, yeah, Keanu Kinney is playing for New Zealand. How good is that? Yeah, yeah, we've got some Titans to talk about. That's going to be fun on the podcast over the next few weeks. Yeah, so it's like... And that kind of gets you through until no, mid-November. And then it's kind of pre-season starting then. <laughs> like, yeah. You're then starting to get back into pre-season. So there's not actually... And if not, there's the, the BBL team that we both go for, the Gold Coast Heat. So that'll be good to um, <laughs> support them as well. <laughs> go the Gold Coast Heat and the, and the Gold Coast Raw. Uh, but yeah, look, that, that, that's obviously us done here for today, guys. Obviously, hit that thumbs up button. Subscribe if you're new around here. Uh, we appreciate you. Yeah, I think that, you know, obviously we can do a draft at some stage, which we've done before, but like a Titans draft all time. Us going against each other, there's a quiz that we were talking about that we could do uh, I think I did pretty well today actually you asked me a random obscure question of when was our last round one win and I just went bang and got it so I yeah, think Clark good. he's starting to freak out I think he's you got <laughs> I, me. Think, <laughs> I think he's starting to freak out but no, we'll obviously do that in the coming weeks but uh, we will see you guys next time we can't even make like a a joke at the end of this podcast now because we've got no one we're playing. <laughs> we've got no one we're playing this week so that's all from us and uh we're going to be winning the grand final in 2024. Tweed, women's, men's, slap, slap. Premiership muscle. Slap.